go through some nice welcome to my welcome to my go just get on with the fucking thing. <laughs> no, exactly. Just yeah. So I've hit record. So we're in. We're we're started now, mate. So go. All right. <laughs> How are you? I'm all right. I was I was uh, watching uh, Black Mirror just before I yeah. came online. San Junipero. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it always makes me cry. I don't know whether you cried when you first watched oh. it. I wept buckets. I, you know, and I thought, yeah, okay. Sometimes that will happen the first time you watch something and it really hits you. It really affects you. And then mm. the next time you watch it, you're like, you're hardened to it or you've, you've had the experience before. You know what to expect and, and uh, it doesn't hit you. But this one always does. I don't know about yourself. Um, yeah, no, no. That it was a, it, that I, I think it it, it had a, a a poignancy to it, didn't it? That that maybe you weren't also expecting from Black Mirror sometimes. But yeah, yeah, no. That it's got that it's got that heartfelt. Yeah, I think I think the the line that always hits me is when she says, "Being uploaded to the cloud sounds like heaven," and there's that blue heaven is a place on earth starts up and it's yeah yeah that's so true which kind of like um reminds me of uh, when i was reading harari's book about this idea of humanism and dataism and that yeah are we heading towards this giant server farm in the cloud where we upload our souls no exactly and 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 it, it it's kind of like, and are we partially already there to some degree? I, I remember some years ago, um, uh, MIT, some MIT students launching a uh, service called Eterni Me, which, and it was Eterni.me. And basically the proposition was you could take all of your kind of Facebook data and so forth and upload it to the cloud. And what it would do is create a kind of algorithmic uh, or AI bot of you that your family could interact with, like could, so they could, they could chat with you, like chat message with you. um, And it would be able to respond in your vernacular and so forth. So you would be like there eternally. And, and it was like this. This was probably five, five or six years ago. And I think the, the Black Mirror robot avatar thing, or whatever, they, they touched on these themes uh, around the same time. And right. um, and I think like, well, actually, have we given so much of our data and and ourselves into this thing that you could? And 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 then then you can start asking questions of like, well. What's to say that that hasn't already happened, and actually we are just a simulation of a past? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you well, get into the matrix territory, then. That's right. It's uh, what was it? Um, a simulacra. Um, yeah, yeah. Are we just part of a simulacra? Um, and is this really this uh, thing that I'm I'm touching that you can't see on a podcast? Is called flesh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Flesh and bone and muscles. Um, does it really exist? Yeah, it does exist, but is it really just an algorithm? Um, yeah. Uh, and what, you know, like, like the central theme of the Matrix, we don't really know whether we are just batteries in a 
in a in a farm, um, and this is all the simulacra and and all that. And, and I suppose that that very firm thing of like, do you want to know as well? And I think that that that's an interesting thing with with this this pandemic happening. I feel like that the, the Earth is on pause, and it makes us kind of think, what is life? What is what is? And, and it makes you. I think people are having to confront things that they don't want to confront in the sense of like, what's the purpose of work? What's the purpose of these things? And mm-hmm. and it start it does it start asking all these questions. And it's it's this. And I I wonder like, I hear people talking about like when it's all over, and I wonder will it ever really be over? Like, are we just going to kind of have to live with you know any other pandemic like this in history? You've had to live with it for a really long time in some kind of measure before it's past history and it's it's then then you get into that kind of thing of the people who want to take the blue pill or the red pill because mm-hmm. those that want to say okay well maybe we should change some stuff and doing you know we can now work from home we know that whereas for for years people said you couldn't you yeah. know oh, nobody can work from from home it's impossible and oh, people won't get stuff done but yet that's what's happened People are yeah. still being educated. All do you know what I mean? Lot, and and humanity is kind of coming together that much more. But mm-hmm. it would be horrible if somebody goes, "Oh, well, let's go back to normal now. I'll take. I'll go back to the red pill." But depends what. <laughs> it depends what I can never uh, remember which is the right pill for that. Yeah. It depends what normal is. Um, yeah. If normal, if normal is um, a different pace of life, I don't know whether I can say that I prefer this slow pace of life to the hustle bustle pace of life um, of the so supposed normality. Um, mm. I just kind of uh, was looking back at some notes I made on uh, Homo Deus and he talks mm. about happiness yeah. and the connection between happiness and, and the pace of life and that takes me back to the hunter-gatherer kind of <laughs> and I'm sure being a hunter-gatherer wasn't all sunshine and rainbows <laughs> but <laughs> there are certain um, sacrifices we make for progress and, yes. and and this is one of the themes about uh, what we could end up sacrificing in the name of progress heading towards uh, dataism um, yeah or uh so so i you know it's easy for you and me because we've read these books for for anybody listening um that ain't so up with uh this journey from let's say theism to humanism to dataism how would you um explain what these stages of evolution are john uh I think it, 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 it's trying to kind of summarize now. Um, I think these these stages of the the transitory nature. I suppose, like this idea that 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 human beings on the evolution of kind of language and then working together. You know, that's that's that sort of first mm. stage with with the, with the first real species that could work together outside of a, a small sort of herd pack. And that's just through the, the, the development of language. And, and yeah. you can't have the invention of fire without without 
explaining to each other what to do and 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 harari goes into this in, in great detail and and then we have this birth of telling stories and we don't mean telling stories as in fanciful kind of fiction but just like this notion of communicating ideas to collectively get people to work together outside of just two or three people with yeah. grunts that then gives us a huge kind of leap in evolution above above things and we start coordinating ourselves and 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 uh, working together and we we <laughs> You know, this is controversial. Did did we invent religion as a way of of of, of communicating this and organizing ourselves to, to to live with things? But we we created codes and 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 effectively programmed. You know, we were programming yeah. ourselves and in, in, in giving ourselves a language to, to 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 operate. Then we start kind of going into um, I was in, in, into that kind of mass industrialization and building and, and so forth, which then ultimately leads us to kind of building data and so forth. And what, what's interesting is we seem to be at that cusp now, and I think this is kind of where Homo Deus gets to, I think uh, uh, Peterson is in there in terms, in terms of money. We've sort of got to that point now where, and, and certainly uh, Rushkoff with, with Team Human is, is arguing this, is we're at that kind of cusp where we potentially are giving over that we, we are creating systems and we are creating uh, uh, AI and so forth that could possibly outdo us in telling itself stories and therefore it's it's run away from us because it, yeah. it, it could be that AI becomes the more advanced element of that ability because AI can communicate with itself, self-learn and and effectively uh, uh, create its language and organize all this data to work to a whole new thing that doesn't involve you know we 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 become like the dogs and the <laughs> and the, the the secondary yeah. species to that. Sorry, that's right. Does that, um, that, I went a bit rambly there. So you went a bit rambly. That's always good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I think uh, we could say that uh, the monkey got smart. The monkey yes. invented God. Yes. Then the monkey uh, got fed up with God and he killed God. And uh, he looked inside himself, um, which was uh, the transition from fears and believing in a God, like uh, um, polytheism, multiple gods, to theism, uh, monotheism, single God. Um, And then um, humanism was the death of God and looking within ourselves where we now read uh, self-help books um, to try and find meaning for our existence in a self-help book. We're kind of like looking inside ourselves for answers. Um, To then becoming digital personas on the the internet Um, and the algorithms knowing us better than we know ourselves and therefore you can you know continue along this trajectory of where are we heading towards to a uh, society that worships an algorithm so essentially what we've done is we've ended up replacing god with an algorithm and we'll worship the algorithm because it's and the platforms 
that run the algorithms are just organized religion. They're the churches of our modern time because yeah. they're the, the things that that, that that guide us and where our morality comes from. And, 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 and so, you know, we're making judgment calls based on, on that. As you were saying all of that, I was like, wow, 2001 was so bang on. And we're now at the point <laughs> where, 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 where the machine is saying, are you all right, Dave? What are you doing, yeah. Dave? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spooky. spooky spooky yeah I've never um, really thought of how, in, how insightful that that film and book are <laughs> so, but it, it, it's interesting because like as you i think you, you were sort of like saying earlier um one of the how how you and i were sort of stumbling upon this was sort of like reading harari and and and, and you introduced me to peterson and then we then tapped into that wait a minute there's there's connections to what they're talking about here, we've heard in 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 the work of Adam Curtis, or we've heard sort of Russell Brand talking about these things in 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 more more kind of comedic or or, or straightforward thing. And it's 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 this perennial, this I mean, and, and and this this is the essence of probably the human condition and philosophy and and so forth. Is we've been wrestling with this, and we keep sort of taking these different perspectives on it and looking at it, and and probably. Whenever there is a crisis in the world, it probably makes people much more philosophical and seek out this uh, nourishment as well, because you finally have the time to to sit down. Or, 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 or existential crisis seems to make humans evolve better. Like when you look yeah. in history, when there's an existential crisis, you know, the stuff that happened after World War Two is amazing for a period of time. Of how humanity <laughs> wanted to work together. Right? We're too farting busy to actually sit down and philosophize most of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but it, it, it's like you have to have you have to have that that big event and then look around and kind of go, shit, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not equated. I mean, you know, sitting at home <laughs> Instead of going onto a battleground, it's, it's, yeah, I, I don't want to sort of denigrate the poor sods who were in in World War Two because we're not in World War Two, and and yeah. clapping, clapping, and all of that isn't Dunkirk spirit, you know. But it's the ex, it's that existential kind of crisis, I think, that makes people wake up a bit. I don't know, I've got a, I've got, I, I, one, one uh, note I made. Um, mm. I don't know where it's from. I know it's from Harari's book somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's talking about if you distort reality too much, it weakens you, and and so when I think about what what is he talking about here, I like I like making notes, but not actually making any reference to where it is. It's just a no, note no, no, that's yeah, 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 distort just reality yeah, too much, yeah. it weakens you, and and when you think about someone like um, uh, Steve Jobs, who famously lived in a reality distortion field um yeah and that the, there we are um living our normal lives which um uh was living in oz <laughs> and then and then you have a pandemic and like we said you look behind the curtain and see this is how it works oh they they just uh printed out a couple more trillion dollars <laughs> that seems like it was totally doable <laughs> all of a sudden oh, interesting <laughs> and then that, yeah no i think that, it, it's the same like we were just sort of saying like yeah i think you you and i have both experienced this where people say oh you can't 
possibly do your job from where you're like I'm, I'm sitting in an office working on a computer why can't i do that and and but there's been that narrative for ages right now i think like a lot of companies are going to find it really hard to justify not allowing working from home flexible working to meet because the, it can be done and, and now people are like wait a minute if you lied about that and it's not a lie but you know, it, it starts to kind of go well what else could yeah. work we can run government without everyone whatever. having to meet in parliament. You know, we can do it. Yeah, whatever <laughs> facades did we live with <laughs> without peeking behind the curtain and going, do we really need this? <laughs> um, and, 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 and I think I think that, again, going back to sort of Harari in that sense, we are ritualistic and we invent rituals and it's partly to help control, you know, you, you, you invent the rituals to help control people to get people to conform because that has helped us evolve. The yeah. problem is there comes a point when the rituals are just what was that what was that that line that I said to you, tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and that's what happens. It, it's these things become traditions that they were ritualistic to help us move forward. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point when that's not helping anymore, and actually, it, it, it's slightly holding us back. You know, yeah. it, it's the same as like you know when we invented the printing press and it, it helped evolve the spread of ideas and that. But then people are like, "Oh, books are the only way that you can have knowledge, mm-hmm. and it's the worthy way of knowledge because that's then become the tradition of how knowledge is is disseminated." But when the printing press was invented, you had people going, "Oh, these books—they're going to dumb people down." You know, it's much better having a lecture and talking and you know socratic method and so forth so it, it, it's funny how we do this cycle mm. and, and I, I, another yeah. thing um that's reminded me of is this uh, primary commandment of humanism to yes. create meaning for a meaningless world <laughs> and then but and that yeah yeah because it, uh, otherwise it's just a bunch of random things happening right yeah. And then we'd, we wouldn't we wouldn't pursue doing stuff. I mean, that's what I really liked about her, right? That, that, that like, and actually, actually when, you, when you start looking at it, I, I, I think this is actually in his, his later book, 21st Century Lessons. He, he kind of talks about, uh, actually, people who are depressed just realize how random and pointless everything is. Yeah. So they're yeah. actually just, they're, they, they're not, we're we we're our brain evolution is is actually we're optimists mm-hmm. and it's it, it's one of the reasons why human beings can't plan stuff very well mm-hmm. um i i do this thing in, in class with my students i say who who just put up your hands uh those who think they're going to get to class on time but always kind of mess up the time scale and you get always the people you're the you're the optimist because you're not you're not seeking out to be late you just a badly planned because you optimistically think you can get here on time. <laughs> it, 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 it's a like that optimism okay. of 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 it's it, uh, some. It's called the, the a planning fallacy. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, take that. Take that experiment a step further. Right. Yeah. If you um, were to give all the students these. Um, what are they called? Transcranial, transcranial helmets yep. to enhance their um, cognition. Yep. Uh, this uh, was a 
part of Harari's book where there, there was a was she a journalist? I think this woman Sally, someone was a journalist um, reporting about the military um, using a transcranial helmet to um, increase efficiency of soldiers, so that for snipers they could take out uh, more people more effectively by um, uh, wearing this helmet, which effectively silences the voice inside your head, distracting you from other things and therefore making you a much more efficient killing machine. Yeah. And basically it worked rather well. It worked shockingly well to her and she never really got over the experience of blimey. Like they have this mind control. Yeah. Um, and then taking some of these other ideas of what's happening um, to Homo sapiens moving yeah. forward in evolution, that can we actually resist the technology and r remain human and say, yeah, there is this sort of possibility of moving to the next stage of our evolution, but Ah, it opens up a whole load of philosophical questions that I can't answer right now. Um, and I, th I think, I think, I think we were on that trajectory because everything was becoming convenient, and 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 the 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 concept of changing it is just too difficult. I think that was the, the, the beautiful thing that Adam Curtis was sort of saying. He said, you know, we give up too quickly when going through rad. You know, he said the Occupy movement had some great ideas, but they just didn't care. Like they gave up and then in order to have they, a, they, they were disorganized. They, they just they disorganized. organized themselves. But, yeah. but I, I like the point he said, you know, the only real big systemic kind of change in that sense was the civil rights movement and people had to sac like they completely sacrificed and, and, and so forth. And I think what we're going through right now, whilst isn't a, a huge, I think it's a, it is a big enough shift for people to start asking some questions about, well, what are we doing? And I'm not sure, like, I think it, like, when this is over, as people say, yeah. I think that, that people will go, like, they're going to want to spend time with people. I mean, it, it, I mean, particularly in Norway, like I, I watch, uh, like see teenagers and stuff. They're so content with just communicating on phones and stuff and playing games. And that's not to say that 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 isn't a social thing in it, it, itself. But there isn't the drive to kind of hang out and 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 do those kind of social things. And I think now with this kind of forced lockdown, people might start going, "No, I need I need that." But it, it, it was only when I was told that I couldn't have this other thing that I realized how much I wanted it. And I, I, I do wonder whether that makes us shift away from that kind of techno-determinism. Well, that's right. I, 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 I could totally relate to that because, as you know, I worked in um, online and distance education for about yeah. eight years. Um, yeah. And then I came out to Japan and I've been teaching face-to-face -face for five and a half years and I love it yeah and I, I you know some of my friends are saying oh you should get online and, and uh, teach online and I'm like well maybe maybe um 
if I have to. <laughs> but my foot is firmly in, there's something about um, being situated in the reality of um, face-to-face teaching that I love. Um, and and I, th- I think, I mean, there was this whole period when we were sort of both sort of working in online education and a little bit sort of after we both left, left if you ever leave um but it's where people were really trying hard to kind of like how can we come up with an algorithm that teaches how can we kind of come up with the most efficient way of getting people to kind of grading and you know all all this kind of real algorithmic uh uh uh, smart learning and, and and so forth and I remember lots of teachers kind of going around going, oh, you know, they're, they're going to replace us with robots. And I went, do you know what? If, if you can be replaced by a robot, you should be. Because yeah. if all you're doing, <laughs> if you don't, I said, there's one thing that we can bring is we bring our humanity. Yes. And, it's and really. The whole point of like technological evolution and, you know, even back to industrialism was supposed to alleviate us from the mundane chores so that we could be more human. And, and the, 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 the idea of industrialization wasn't to, to, to make everybody kind of poor and a couple of people rich. It was supposed to be so that we weren't doing the manual work to keep things going. We were able to, we, we, the theory being that we should spend our time like we're doing now, sort of philosophizing and thinking and being human and creating and, and, and sharing. And we've lost, we've, we've, something along the line has lost that. And I, I don't, you showed me a video years ago, I think, that talked about um, uh, horses. And they were sort of like saying when c- cars came along, horses didn't get better jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, there's a lovely thing that, but, but horses and did go out and graze and just kind of have a, like, like, like I, I think humans have got to get to that point where they're like, we don't actually need to work. We don't need money. And we don't, do you know what I mean? We well, don't need it, these things. I think, uh, you're touching on what Harari calls the yeah. useless class of people. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, how, how could I talk about that? That's basically, you take all the people driving vehicles for a living at the moment. Yeah. Now, if um, driverless cars um, come into being over the next 10, 15, 20 years, um, there's a hell of a lot of people who won't have jobs driving anymore. And these people will either have to adapt and get other skills to do other jobs. Okay. Some of them Mm -hmm. will think, what's the point? Because this will happen throughout so many jobs. It's unbelievable that you just retrain and by the time you've got your qualification and you're already, that one's also been uh, a skill that's no longer relevant anymore. And yeah. So you, you know, or you it could be like me. Go, I know I'm going to like live in the jungle on nuts and berries and uh, I'm going to read philosophy books. <laughs> um, but it, 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 it's, I mean, one of the things that I was sort of thinking about, like, um, yeah, if you keep having the kind of technological advances, and they talk about that this useless class, as in the function of, 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 of these people becomes redundant because it's been replaced by drive, you know, robots, basically, for the want of a better word, but robots. Algorithms. And, and algorithms <laughs> and so forth. 
where that becomes wrong is when like Jeff Bezos is the person who owns all the robots right? and all of the money just goes to him. And the, the problem is, is eventually there comes a tipping point where if nobody else has any money other than Jeff Bezos, then no, who's spending the money? So it, I think it's like, it's fine to have uh, uh, this sort of robot class going around doing stuff. If you are that all of the savings you've done by not paying people, Mm-hmm. has to still get redistributed so that people spend money. So that there is an economy. Which, which I think, you know... The water is going around. Um, yeah, and, 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 and you know, humans came up with a relatively good way of doing that. It was called tax, <laughs> you know, to, to do that. But, you know, it's going to kind of happen. We should just be paid for kind of existing and do it. And I, I think human beings... And we've seen this in the pandemic. I think human beings do do good stuff and work together and solve things, not in the pursuit of money. You don't need money to 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 to, to drive that. Um, and I think that 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 comes down to what choice do we make? Do we want to just have this layer of people who who own everything and have robots working for them? A bit like. You know, in the same way that plantation owners decided to go and steal a load of people and make them work for nothing to build up their huge kind of economies. But there comes a point, there comes a point, and it's, you know, nobody fought against the slaves to undo uh, that. They went, no, liberate the slaves and take down the, and it will come to that. People will just go, wait a minute, why aren't you paying your way? You know, you, 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 I'm not, you know, don't you know? People sort of say, "Oh, well, it's great." Elon Musk has given three million to help this, and so <laughs> you, you, you're being deluded about that. Okay. <laughs> how, 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 how do we make the choice? And this is what Rushkoff kind of gets to, which is, I think, the kind of antithesis of, of, of Homo Deus is: is what point do we come together as like team human and say, no, we're going to have it like this. We don't mind all of these technological advances, but it's supposed to work for us, not the other way around. And I, and then I, I'm fighting for team algorithm here. <laughs> yeah, go, go ahead. Because, because, <laughs> you know how I say, oh, I, I, I like being human and teaching face to face. And that's because the environment that, I'm in makes it great to be a human being. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But if the environment was a pile of shit, I would jump onto the algorithm. <laughs> like in a in a nanosecond, I would be thinking, now, if it was a world like in San Junipero, okay, yeah. indistinguishable to me between the reality that I find myself in or situated in today, which I am only assuming is not a simulacra, and that I could actually go to bed tonight, yeah, and just like send an um, email request to a server somewhere saying, okay, at the strike of uh, midnight, yeah, upload my soul into this cloud where I wake up. Um, in an alternate reality simulacra. And for want of a better word, I have no knowledge 
that I'm now in that simulacra. Okay, only I'm younger. I'm uh, um, uh, more athletic. I never get sick. I never age. Yeah. Okay. And life continues with all the plethora of emotions that I experience by living in this so-called reality. Okay. What's wrong with that? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's well, no. I mean, it, 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 it's it, it's the same reason you can watch Forrest Gump and go, I envy him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because yeah. he doesn't it have this bliss. He doesn't follow our bliss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 it, it's. And I think, you know, like when you start getting into like the, the sort of quantum mechanics of it, what is observed reality anyway? You know, it, I love that about uh, what was that film by Christopher Nolan where it's all about uh, uh, with Matthew McConaughey. I can't remember what it's called now off the top of my head. But um, that sort of notion when you go down to a sort of like quantum level and everything is just atoms and that and you know a table isn't a table it's just a grouping of things and okay. when you start kind of thinking along those lines yeah everything around us and it goes back but back to peterson we've created meaning but none of it it's just random things it's just random atoms and we we've put a story on it everything has a story and our eyes tell us a story and the ears tell us a story but if you could just actually choose to have that programmed into you, would you choose? I mean, again, I suppose this comes back to the matrix. Do you want to take which, which pill of the, <laughs> the matrix do you also, want to take? I think uh, there's that line about, would you want to spend eternity somewhere where nothing matters? <laughs> and and, and when, you were, when you were talking about the cranial stuff, mm. I was sort of thinking there comes a point when if you've become such an efficient kind of thing and and you and and you're able to switch off these kind of meaning and 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 morality things in the brain then surely everything becomes pointless to you yeah um it's because the, because, then, because that was than man wasn't he um, because it, if if you're going back to the point that um, switching off these things means you can kind of ruthlessly kind of go about stuff, when we're saying like that that if if depressives are seeing reality as it is, or conversely, you're then sort of like saying, well, sociopaths are really effective because they mm. don't have they don't have this annoyance of empathy and <laughs> feelings no, that's, and so that's just a bloody irritating noise that they've managed to get shot of isn't it <laughs> yeah and 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 um and there must be a point in our evolution where we didn't have these things either because we 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 were murderous apes you know outside of a certain number of people so we have created. I was listening to something the other day where, where somebody was talking about the, the need for manners because manners keeps things in control. And like when you start lose, I suppose in the same way, like when when you start moving into a culture that doesn't believe in God anymore, mm-hmm. then it makes everything kind of okay. And and maybe we've 
invented God for a good reason, and it's, it's and, and spirituality and all of these things to give us meaning because it keeps us kind of yeah. all in check, and that's why we invented law. And this all goes into sort of Harari oh. stuff again, you know. You know me, you know me quite well, and yes. uh, I think it's fair to say that um, at some point in my life, I decided I don't like this reality. I'm going mm-hmm. to go and explore God, and yeah. um. And there's something I rather like about um, the people who went to church. Um, yeah. I, I love the people that I met through church. Um, yeah. Likewise, I moved to Japan and I love the um, Japanese manners. Um, yeah. And I was saying in that uh, video response to Kirsty. Uh, a couple of days ago, that um, in in Japan um, we don't really hug, um, we bow, and there is a certain amount of distance between people. Mm. But I kind of love the the um, the chaos of England, but I like the order of Japan, and yeah, yeah. On balance, it's I think the the persona and the shadow and the order and the chaos, and it's traversing a line between the two of them, mm. where this system um, has to be finely tuned so that it's not one or the other um, to have a meaningful existence. No, and did you? I mean, you and I have a, I suppose, each have a unique perspective on this. Of, did you find, like, once you've moved to Japan, I found this over time living in Norway, that it naturally forces you out of your cultural norms and some of these hard coding that you kind of have. Mm-hmm. And I think, as time progresses, you you start to feel like. I mean, I went through a period of being more British than I'd ever been in the UK. I mean, I literally went around holding doors open and saying sorry to everyone. And I, 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 I became like some bumbling Hugh Grant kind of cliche because I seemed to kind of completely over, over amp my, my, and I'd never really, I never identified as a kind of Brit in my own head until then. And as time has evolved, I started <clears throat> sort of you take on 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 your host country's kind of attributes and things that make sense, and you're like, oh, this is better. And, and so, but you get to this point where you you you're not you're not British and you're not Norwegian or you're not British and you're not Japanese. Yeah. And you actually you it's there's a nice sort of liberating thing, and I like the fact that it makes you kind of question your meaning because actually nationality gives you such meaning. What is the bloody story? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's certainly very true, and I think that uh, Britishness for me is my USP. <laughs> it's for sale. Yeah. It's for yeah. sale if yeah. you want to. Um, <laughs> if you're if you want to buy some British, I can yeah. I can sell it to you, um, yes. and I'll do all the stereotypes. Okay, but but you're right. I actually transcend out of my nationality. And I become a Kevin, <laughs> who's a no, no, you you. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's also reminding me now that I'm I'm rereading uh, Joseph Campbell's uh, 
um, hero's journey and re reminding myself of these ideas of all these cultures, yeah, have uh, similar motifs and similar symbolisms and similar mythologies. Mm. And we are all human, <laughs> all homo sapiens. And of yeah. course, we will all connect on a similar human level that yeah. transcends nationality. However, um, I think it was Carl Jung that talked about um, that when we were a child, our, you know, um, we worship our parents. And it's difficult to take the God out of our parents later in life. But when we're adults, when we're grown up, we have culture that replaces our parents. Yep. <laughs> and, yep. and so we're looking for meaning in the culture, in the nationality, um, which is quite a powerful um archetype isn't it with i'm it british <laughs> it's funny about that i suppose i suppose it's all about that kind of interestingly it's about the formation of your identity i was, I was talking to a friend last night about the music you listen to in your sort of early to late teens are probably it, it, it's always the music you go back to as being like ah oh, that's my music and no music is ever as great as the music you listen to at that age because it's such that's the transition from seeing your parents as gods to accepting culture as god and that's your first that's your first kind of uh, 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 that's your enlightenment or, 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 or your opening to that and um, it, it, it's it's funny how and it, it, the way Peterson talks about kind of like identity politics and but we don't talk about how our identity is formed that much and and how it how trans it is transitionary um but I was sort of like saying to somebody the other day I said there's so much talk about kind of gender fluidity and and so forth I said but nobody talks about nationality fluidity and I feel like I feel very much like like I don't identify as anything I'm I'm, I'm okay. sort of binary I'm binary in terms of national well actually I've got a little bit of Irish in me as well so so so, so I have this I oh. don't identify as any of these things and that's why it's so painful to watch from afar something like Brexit because it's such about nationality and I'm like oh don't don't get caught up in that story ah oh, but you did <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, but you do <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I I always thought that there was a bit of alien in me I seriously yeah. <laughs> I cannot come from this species <laughs> I, I can't <laughs> identify with it at all yeah. And uh, I, I could identify with ET a lot more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like take me with you. I wouldn't have been like Elliot. I wouldn't have sat there going, "Oh, oh, I can't bollocks." I'd say, uh, "All right, Mum, sorry about this, but fucking the options of exploring outer space with ET far outweigh sitting on this piece of shit." <laughs> I'm off. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But this also um, was really interesting as well. Is the other day when I was—I'm uh, sure you saw my my picture of of this diagram. I don't know. Oh if yes, you saw yeah, that. yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, yeah. Got, a, I, I've got an image uh, that won't be very helpful for anyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> but basically, we'll, 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 we'll somehow post it. Yeah. We could put a JPEG yeah. or something online. 
Um, but basically, I, I'm I'm doing a, a number of uh, sort of personal projects at the moment, and one of them um, is pontificating on this uh, idea of a sort of dataist utopia. Um, right. And and it wasn't until today that I've remembered. Oh yeah, that Black Mirror episode. <laughs> um, San Junipero is kind of like what I'm uh, talking about. However, that that raised the question to me. I don't know what nationality San Junipero is, but I imagine with a name like San Junipero, it's kind of like Mexico or like maybe yeah, United yeah. States near San Diego or West Coast maybe. I don't know, but um, uh, it seems quite American. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or, yeah so, so, it so, doesn't so, look yeah. like Bradford to me. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> so there are kind of national motifs and, and symbolisms that remind me of America mm. in the 1980s. Okay. Yeah. Why would you want to build nationality into a virtual simulacra. Well, yeah, because you, you didn't have that in second life. Yeah. Different languages. And, and I'm thinking, when I'm speaking Japanese, I'm thinking Japanese. And so people talk about when you learn a foreign language, you, what you're actually doing is making another version of you. That When you're speaking in that language, you do become another version of yourself. And you think yes. about the world differently. Yeah, um, and that's one of the beauties of language learning that you, you don't think about it. You just think, oh, it'd be useful to speak this language. But as you um, gain more proficiency with it, that you start noticing things like, I really like this. I like looking at the world through a different lens. Um, and yeah. it's it's more to do with the languages intertwined with culture and and stuff. And so. I can see why you would want different languages in a simulacra and why you would want the national the nationalism within it mm. because it's this variety is the spice of life and yeah. and that if we all had this homogenous like world without nations and without different languages what a bloody boring place that would be. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that I think when I often think about it, I often I suppose I, I get caught up on the negatives of nationalism because I see like it's the cause of wars, it's the cause of uh, unrest, and 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 it 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 hinders things. But on the same token. You know, it's no fun going somewhere else if it's exactly the same. Yeah. Well, I think there should be wars in this utopia because you can't die. <laughs> yeah. And it would be fun. If war well, that, would that, be bloody fun if you can't die. But that's the thing, isn't it? It's it, it also like a society that has no conflict also has no creativity because you can't really have creativity without conflict in this yeah. mashing of ideas and, and so forth. And, and, and I think that, that that's something that I really kind of agree with Peterson on about like you, you know you cannot you cannot have wokeness suppressing these things because it 
it, then th- that is actually totalitarian it, it, through mm-hmm. through the back door and um you do need these things it's just it it's obviously not nice to experience i suppose that's the trick isn't it nobody wants to experience it <laughs> so, <laughs> so um but i i i think like I'm at this place now, like five years in living abroad. I'm really adamant that everyone should have to live in another country and kind of just just because it. I think it makes you aware of who you are more than anything, and really kind of makes you question some stuff that has been really hard programmed into you. Yeah, there's some part of me though. You know, <laughs> a fly in the ointment, as I always try to be. Um, that goes, no, please don't come to Japan. <laughs> it's no, that's true. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Listen, like, we, we, we have this beautiful music festival here in, in the fjords, and uh, uh, a friend of mine came over to it uh, a few years ago, and uh, he actually then said to me afterwards, he said, can you stop posting pictures of it because I don't want anyone else to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like this, this little sort. Of, yeah, it is. You you want to start oh, having yeah. it. It's funny, isn't it? Um, here's another here's another thing. It, it comes back again to Harari's um, observation of how much um, data we are collecting when we do go to a festival, we do go to a concert, and we hold up our smartphones and we're recording. Yeah. It. yeah, in a way, that's the currency, isn't it? We're we're supplying the system with experience we're we're supplying data for the algorithm to consume yeah Mm. and that's the currency um the currency of likes for our emotional um uh satisfaction it's interesting because it people view you know, like the mechanisms that they've been putting in China for the last couple of years of like sort of monitoring and then giving grade. There's a social, very, very Black Mirror-esque. Very people black. like, oh, totalitarianism and da-da-da-da-da. But yeah. actually the reward systems and that are very much along game theory and, and nudge theory, which is they are algorithmically trying to make people be better for society. Now, now, there's a dangerous line there for sure. But and the reason I bring that up is because we're kind of now all about to head into this with contact tracing. Yes. Now, yes. The, notion, the notion of it, it, it is good for everyone to do that and for the betterment of everyone, but the deep worry and suspicion of totalitarianism, and I think that was brilliant what you were saying uh, uh, on Facebook the other day, you know, you've got to have a distributed system. If you have a distributed system, then people will trust it. Yeah. And I that, am brilliant sometimes. <laughs> and after you said, you know, I, only after you said that, you, you start seeing people like MIT and stuff saying it, and you're like, yeah, no, it, it, you could, and there's no reason you couldn't have the system, like the system in China, as long as nobody owns the, the, the control of it. And, and, and in the same way that I think religion got corrupted at times because it's like, I, I'm a lapsed Catholic, so it, it, it's kind of like when you look at the Catholic Church and, and certainly some of the revelations that have come out, da da da. You go, like, yeah. oh, you're 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 the bad data broker <laughs> of religion. Religion's lovely if it's optional. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and 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 nobody's con- controlling you with it. 
Yeah. There's nothing yeah. wrong with spirituality and it's lovely to, and, and, the, and the, the tenets and, and the, mm-hmm. the meaning of it is beautiful. Yeah. Until yeah. somebody says, well, I'm, 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 I'm the person that has the most direct contact with that and oh, I will yeah. tell you how to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. It is a beautiful thing. Um, it's not so beautiful when you're burnt at the stake for it. Um, no. no. That puts it in a different perspective, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's, not so, that's not so good. Um, no. But, um, yeah, in, in, if I ruled the world, which I may do one day, <laughs> when you are lawnmower man in your transhumanism that's, that's right <laughs> yeah. if i if I, I i don't know whether we could talk about that today but it's a really long topic about my biohacking um yes i think i think that's the next episode yeah it's yeah, gonna yeah. be another episode because yeah, it's yeah. such a, a long story so when, when you're but god yeah when i'm god and when i rule the world and it will be a a virtual world yeah indistinguishable yep. between reality and um uh the world of my creation that's probably sitting on a solar powered ipad <laughs> or some kind of raspberry pi device <laughs> um well i've got this idea that there will be a uh Jungian collective unconsciousness cloud which is the amalgamation of all um the stories created by uh post-human society yeah Uh, what we uh have in existence of mythology from around the world um that's why i'm kind of getting really into um joseph campbell's observations about um repeating patterns in myths uh, repeating patterns in dreams and Jungian uh, psychoanalysis of um, yeah. dreams and uh, all kinds of heavy duty stuff that I'm getting really, really when, into. When you, were, when you were just talking about that, you just sparked a memory. A, a, a friend of mine, uh, Ben, did this really good TED, TED talk, and I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. It's called The Campfire in the Universe. And he talk, it's very Harari like in the way he talks about technology. Ooh. And there's a brilliant. He's quite a joker as well, and he does this brilliant thing of like when when Steve Jobs came down from heaven and gave us the iPhone, and he said he's gone now, but he'll be back. And I, as you were talking about that, I was like, actually, like it's not it's not unreal to think that in like two thousand years he could be talked about in that kind of like well, Job, Job, <laughs> Job. Job. Yeah. Um, he had this he had this cancer that was a curse yeah. from the algorithm of god because, um, because because he is so instrumental in changing these things and and actually the way in which he talked and the way he did was very very religious he created you know, the cult of of apple and and changed culture and the way we think about that and it's like yeah. actually his like time with enough time yeah that can become religion and particularly if you keep going down the kind of techno determinism kind of route oh, those would he be, could be the devil yeah. he could be the or devil be the, no, no, of course of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> um that, that, appears, that appears to be uh, uh um bill gates at the moment with his 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 yeah his, his, his it's Wuhan. Blow, isn't it <laughs> he was, he was saint bill for um 
his observation that we might be hit by a pandemic in five years, you know, within the next yeah. five years. And then it happens and, oh, he was right. He's saint for about a week. And then there's a petition saying, oh, he's just trying to get us to implant technology below our skin. Oh, no, he's the devil wrapped up in a holy veil. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's crazy, yeah. The hero, it's, it's back again. The, the way we tell stories and the heroes and, and villains and, heroes and, and villains. Yeah. yeah, the the order, the chaos, the persona, the shadow. It's all like uh, yin yang, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, where was I? I was talking. We've just had a little break and we're going to make a coffee. Mm. Um, I was talking about this uh, Jungian collective unconsciousness cloud in which um, all human intelligence, all our myths, all our stories um, that have commonality between all humans are, are stored in this collective unconsciousness cloud, which at the moment our biological selves, we hold this um, unconsciousness in our genes, in our genetics, which is kind of yeah. like another topic for another day but i'm getting heavily into understanding genetics and the epigenome and stuff like that mm -hmm. um but you know how everybody uh kind of gets these myths that are in film that yeah. we go ah oh, yeah and we can all connect it doesn't matter what culture we are part of everybody who's human gets it and that's yep. our unconsciousness, our collective unconsciousness, as Carl Jung would talk about. And I believe that. And I believe that if you have a simulacra, um, which is a virtual world that you can't really distinguish between reality and this simulacra world that we could inhabit one day in mm. the future, that instead of um, this collective unconsciousness being in our genetics, it would be in a partition on this server that collects all of this mythology and it uh, communicates it with our personal consciousness and and i would say that each individual person really is a personal autonomous psyche object right, with right. their um so-called free will and there's oh. another deep topic of do we have free will yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if we do have these personal autonomous psyche objects we could then download them out of the simulacra into the reality of planet earth that we currently live in that we currently reside in in our flesh um, embodiment mm. okay but we actually 3D print our um, uh, cybernaut. This is the body that uh, we inhabit with our digital soul, which I'm calling a personal autonomous psyche object, or PAPO for short. <laughs> um, but this um, PAPO gets downloaded into a cybernaut, and the cybernaut is the vehicle that allows us to traverse reality and go and pick a flower and smell the flower and experience this reality 
so that we can feed yeah. this um, experience into this collective unconsciousness, which is the way in which we earn value for the system to support our existence. And is, is, is that because if all you have is the simulation being run on past data, it can only get to a point where you run out? Yeah. Also, you're absolutely right, but I'm also thinking about being multi-planetary. Yeah, yeah, because we haven't got that, planet, yeah. This planet, yeah, as we've noticed with the uh, lockdowns around the world, it quickly recovers when we're not going around fucking it up, doesn't it? Because um, we, we, we're, we're the virus in the program there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you could yeah. say that. But I won't be yeah. an apologist for being a homo sapien. Absolutely no. not. I, I, I think, yes, we came along and we farted all over this planet, um, made a terrible mess, and we, were, and we, we should really tidy it up. And I think, as, as um, uh, we'll talk about another day, um, as we find ways of actually um, gaining longer lifespans through having longer health span, um, then the the question is that we must actually protect our ecosystem, okay, mm. the survival of this species, okay. However, once we actually transcend this reality and enter the simulacra, the planet will recover rather quickly animals will prosper um mm. the world will become a beautiful place and i want to be able to inhabit that place because it will be wonderful and then i can gain new experiences from this beautiful world that emerges and changes and i can um if i live an immortal life I, which is like an immortal life, but I can still uh, be subject to an accident. <laughs> okay, <laughs> however, my consciousness, like uh, the um, Cylons, would be re-uploaded to the cloud and then come out of backup and then downloaded back into my cybernaut again. Okay. Actually, actually, yeah. Sorry. Go on. But we, if if our lifespan is essentially, we can live forever or until we decide to expire ourselves because we've done everything and we will just... I don't want an eternity of depression, okay? No. If there comes a point, and I, I can't believe myself, I mean, eternity is a bloody long time, and I, you know, I think I could live for 150 years, no problem. 300 years? Come on. 500 years? Yeah, pretty good. But 1,000 years? I don't know. Life expectancy, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 years ago or something, wasn't very high. And people were like, God, if I could live to 90 or 100, or actually, I, th I think probably living to, 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 in some cases, back, back, back in time, living to, to the age that we are now was an aspirate, like, wow. 50, 52, he had a good innings. <laughs> doesn't there come a time when it doesn't, like you can, people, if you can extend life to a thousand years, people will go, Joe, it'd be really good if I could live just for another thousand more. Yeah, yeah. And, and the then, thing is, the imagine, the imagine, you can imagine the wisdom, yeah, on your 
700th reset. <laughs> You're back to being a young person again. But with all the wisdom that's accumulated through all these years, you know, I would have read every bloody philosophy book and everything. And I should be a wise old man in a young body. But that's <laughs> interesting. Because I, I, I know lots of really pig ignorant old people. Like, so it, it's not necessarily the trajectory of humanity that just because we are here longer, that we become more wiser. I think, like, you, 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 you're almost unique. You, you're interested in their existence, I'm thinking. Yeah. What One of the things I was sort of thinking about as you were talking about that is, is it ultimately comes down to and it's we exist. And we're like, we, we, we come into existence at a certain point. And I think we wrestle with the notion of our own mortality throughout. You know, we fear death as because it's, we just can't comprehend it. And like, well, what do you mean? I'm not going to exist. I mean, our, our, our individual humanity is so driven by essentially our identity and in essence, I suppose, our ego and is our desire to live longer actually just about keeping our ego alive because it, it, it's something that ricky gervais said uh, the the other day in a, uh, with with russell brand when somebody said well oh, I don't, yeah. yeah don't don't you worry about kind of like what happens after you're dead and he said well the three thousand or three billion years before i existed was all right <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's the same thing it, it, it's kind of like and i i kind of liked his approach of like Look, it's a really unique thing that I'm here, and I got to, and I've been very lucky, and we just do these things. But that it's just my moment, and then it's gone. Well, yeah. Now maybe we're we're, we're always wrestling with that. We're wrestling with that, like that. This I I need me, and it comes back to the meaning maps and meanings, I guess. Okay, Matt, but you also raise a very very good point there about time. Hmm. See, if I'm uh, living in the simulacra, then I could pause myself for, let's say, five millennia to my, to my consciousness, for want of a better word, the algorithm is just frozen seemingly to my consciousness for a nanosecond, a blink of an eye. Less yeah. than an eye. I think when I go to sleep, sometimes I think that every time I go to sleep, I'm dead. And then when I open my eyes and I wake up, I'm back to life again. And, <laughs> and, and basically I've died X many times, how many, ever, how many times I've gone to sleep. But when I'm asleep, I'm pretty much, I'm dead. And that, and that if I want to travel this universe, yeah, I don't want to sit getting a sore bum. I want to be able to basically, in the blink of an eye, travel across galaxies okay and what better way of doing that than to be a digital me um and, yeah, and I, I i yeah yeah i totally get like I, I think particularly when i moved here uh it was a very conscious choice to just sort of go right let's see let's just literally take a massive risk i have no plan bosh go and it's because I came to a point in my life where I was like, I just want my life to be about experience, not about achieving or, or attaining 
thing you know no, nothing nothing brings your life into stark relief other than when you have to pack up the house full of useless shit to move oh, to yeah. another country and it's going to cost you a load you're like you start making like do i need that bit of shit because it's going to cost a lot of money to ship it and you reduce yourself back to, and and it's like you get back to that notion of like well what am i actually here like and i would always rather spend money on experiencing stuff rather than buying stuff and 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 yeah, that goes back to the, 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 the Fight Club stuff. What what you own ends up owning you. I know, but but and, and That's so what I, think I was thinking <laughs> the the desire to have this kind of continuation is maybe not the desire for your ego to continue, but just I just want to keep experiencing things. Well, yeah, I, I'm yeah. desperately wanting to cling on to this flesh and blood and organic matter yeah forsaking the fact that if it wasn't the priority <laughs> to to keep my microbiome happy just so that my microbiome can keep me healthy and alive um this uh this this body thing is kind of redundant if I can actually 3D print a new one at will, and if I can send ahead of me a 3D yeah. printer to another planet and send across the blueprints to be printing out my 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 vehicle, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like basically, I want to go and explore other planets, John, and I want to go and experience them because experiencing other places and meeting sexy ladies, sexy alien ladies, is just what I need. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be Captain Kirk. Boldly going, boldly going across the galaxy. <laughs> pose a question to you. Uh, when when you were saying like when you when you sleep it's a death you know you, I you, die every money. night I die dramatically every night. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, and do you go, oh, I had a dream, or I didn't dream? And do you, do you, when you wake up and does it bother you that you haven't dreamt, or does it bother you you have dreamt? Do you ever have like what's your reaction to those things? I was thinking about this this morning, funnily enough. I was thinking, and I, I kind of went into Morrissey mode, went, haven't had a dream in a long time. <laughs> and I thought, I was reading um, Joseph Campbell again, and thinking about dreams, and thinking about Carl Jung, and mm. thinking, yeah, it has been a long time since I've had a dream. Um, what happened? <laughs> Um, why aren't I dreaming so much anymore? I can't remember the last time I had a dream, John. I don't know about yourself. Are you no, still? No, no, I, 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 I have the only time I dream is really vivid dreams, and I wake up kind of like, wow, I thought that was real. Um, the reason I ask is if it doesn't bother you when ah. you wake up, then I'm saying, like, would it bother you in death if there's nothing? Or. Do you oh, need the dream right. simulacra of a dream? Because actually, if if you go through a death every night and wake up thinking, did it really bother me that I didn't dream? <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. But being, being dead with nothing. I have had brilliant dreams. 
and some are very rude. <laughs> um, we don't. I suppose my point is, that I just wonder, like, do you get to death, and you're like, I'm going to sleep now, but are you sitting there going, I really hope I dream, because to me, know, that's ultimately what is like. I hope I go to heaven. In a way, I hope I dream tonight. I hope I dream tonight because that is creating heaven. Yeah. Yeah. But I know that I can do it while I'm conscious. My creativity exists. And therefore, I am dreaming when I'm writing, when I'm uh, having a conversation with you. I'm in this um, creative environment where I do um, come alive. And that is for me. That's that's living. That's being alive. Is being able to dream while I'm conscious. And in, in a way, I feel robbed when I wake up having had a dream that I haven't been able to record, so that I can look back and go, "That was a bloody good one." I put that in my little album here <laughs> and collect the I, good I, ones. I, I I have similar thoughts. I think. I have never been a lucid dreamer in sleep, but I have always had the ability to be a great daydreamer and mm. be lost, lost with, and I can, I can literally sit there and think about things and invent, I, I, and I can just listen to music and I can, I can have a whole very vivid daylight, which is, I suppose, creativity. And, and therefore, I never am remorseful about not, not dreaming in my sleep. And maybe that's what if, if you enjoy experience of life that is your daydream i guess that's that's true now if you think about it let's have a think about this when i was a child almost every night i would dream of flying and you know that's probably why i was obsessed with peter pan and uh, i believe in yeah. fairies <laughs> and you want to live forever you can fly and I want to live forever. And I want to yeah. be young forever. Yeah. Okay. And, and there's something that I think Peterson and Carl Jung both agree that that's not, that's not very good <laughs> to be having the Peter Pan syndrome. Okay. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know if it's possible to reset my biology and go back. It is rather good to be the child, um, to have the childish imagination of yeah, like, and play I'm and, yeah. going to get an office job. I'm going to say bollocks, and I'm going to travel around the world, jumping out of aeroplanes. Why? Because I can, and because it's fun, and because it makes me feel so alive. And I can never be depressed when I'm jumping out of planes. So I did it for a, a few years. Um, I, I, but I, th- I, I think the point I live there, the dream. Yeah, but you, I, I, <laughs> I, it's not like you haven't evolved from a childish state or it's like actually you found a joy of living which you identify as being young i needed a meaning to be alive yeah and 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 actually you know you've you said at times you know actually aspects of youth weren't always the the you know it, it, it it, it, it went through an evolution and then you're just, you're, you're kind of, and I, I found that, I, I, I found teenage years kind of really hard to angst and, 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 and I couldn't see beyond it. But now, it, and it's like you say, like it, to have the wisdom of now, yeah, but, but the ability then, but I, you have to go through that to get to this. But I, I, I think you have to experience the pain to feel the joy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's something like your your brain. Death and rebirth again and again and again. 
<laughs> there's something along i can't remember the exact date but your brain stops kind of growing as it, it, it always has plasticity but it, it stops growing around 28 30 and it's funny like you always i think you always feel as you get older you never feel older than 30 okay. like, 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 you, yes maybe when you start to get aches and pains you're like oh my boat my, my my vehicle's breaking down yeah but your, your actual consciousness it's always kind of around that, but I think like you do notice an evolution from teenage years to thirty. There is there is that, but I think once you, and I think what you're you're talking about is actually your sort of twenty five thirty year old you. That's what you want to keep going because that is actually what your brain is. That's why I want my reset to take me back to about twenty five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good time, it's, my prime. It's, <laughs> It, it, it's, it's not that, that the experiences don't add to wisdom, but in terms of your your thought process about who you are, and, it, and I've, I've spoken to so many kind of old people about this. They say, you know, I, I still feel I'm this. You know, I don't see myself as old. Yeah. And, and, now, what about the people who do feel old? Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I. Well, I I don't really know them because I think. They're the people that I just, they're, they're acquaintances who I run into and go, all right, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I, can I actually talk to this person? Because this person is, is worth spending time with. If, you're, if, if yeah. your dreams are dead, then you're dead. I think the people that I've met who say like, oh, I'm too old or I'm old, they seem to have bought into a narrative they've been told by somebody that they're too old they're like if you say like do you still like listening to music do you still like having a, like all these things you, you'll find that they, and, and actually the minute somebody starts getting kind of dementia and stuff they lose that 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 control and they start being more childlike is um, that what it's called when it's uh an intersubjective reality that I haven't bought into. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's a certain intersubjective reality which I'm very happy to say that I've discarded. And yeah. perhaps I'm wrong. I don't think I am, but that's not to say I, I'm, you know, I can build my case <laughs> as a sort of ironclad case of my life is the way of living because you know i'm autonomous and this is this is what i am doesn't mean everyone nobody can be quite the same as me <laughs> i mean i i i was, I was uh, re-watching uh the the latest scorsese film the other day the irishman and i think oh, it, it's yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's a long haul and stuff and i i, mm. I love i love it it is actually kind of a really nice deconstruction of this arc of life and and mm. and the, the, the things yeah. that you make. But the one thing I keep coming back to time and time again, and as we were talking about all these things, I love that 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 line. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yep. Like don't don't try and work it all out. It it, it is what it is. Sometimes yeah. it's just like that, that beauty just, of it. You just gotta say that to yourself sometimes, don't you? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it, and I I I found I think I found myself saying that uh, throughout this pandemic when everyone's sort of been getting like really uptight about I'm like it is what it is like just it's it's actually quite liberating I I found it incredibly liberating 
and I've I've been on a much more kind of creative burst. I felt like I felt so much more alive in a pandemic. So you know, ironically, it's a paradox. I, <laughs> I, I just said it is what it is, and eventually, like it will just things will work out. No, I know. I, I know. I am saying that as a incredibly privileged middle yeah i'm not i'm not looking at my house being taken away i'm not do, do, do you mean i i'm i'm i've not got illness i understand that for sure but. in some ways in some ways let me pose it this way okay what do you think about um this being a part of the hero's journey that um in every um hero's journey comes the point where um you you introduce your hero mm-hmm. or your hero to be and then they have a challenge and they and they don't want to accept the challenge initially but then they're forced into taking a journey into the underworld they're going into chaos yeah, yeah. where right now for me and for you i'm sure that Okay, the pandemic is a bit of a wobbly one where we go, oh, I don't know, I don't know about this. It could all turn out to be bloody shit. And I don't like it. I was quite happy with the way things were going, and the future is not as certain as it used to was. Yeah. we're, We're like, oh, but actually, it's not happening today, which gives me time to think about it. And perhaps, like, me. I'm your mentor and you're my mentor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're, we're mutual mentors. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, co, a co-mentorship, yeah. Co-mentorship here. <laughs> this, is, this is what this podcast should be about. <laughs> the co-mentorship um, moment of, uh, of uh, like, telling each other useful bits of information to help us take the, to take, take the leap into the underworld and go and have an experience that will change us and make us stronger people so that we can go around and have another cycle through this simulacra again in the future. Um, But I thought of uh, conspiracy theories and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi Mm. sitting there. Um, uh, I I, I made a video on YouTube uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that one, but... But I was, uh, what's Ben Kenobi's beautiful line about, oh, you'll find that uh, the um, truth that we cling to depends greatly on a certain point of view. (laughs) (laughs) There's a classic line for a mentor to tell us. (laughs) As you were saying that, I was thinking, I was, I was listening to uh, some act, some actors talking about the the, the process of acting the other day, mm. and they were saying like, uh, like some actors get really annoyed because like, oh, I'm only background in this scene, like, what am I doing? And he said, as an actor, when you when you are like, you you're essentially got no lines in in the scene, etc. And they said, but you have to play your character, he said, because every person is is the main star in their own narrative. So you have oh, to play your background character as if you are seeing the... Ma- and and, I, and as I thought about it, I thought that that's a beautiful thing. That That is basically what we're all 
actors and we are all on we are all the stars of our hero we are the hero's journey of our own narrative and we don't think about it because actually somebody over there is, is we perceive as a background player. Uh, and that brings me back to Peterson <laughs> <laughs> of don't compare yourself <laughs> yeah. with um with who someone else is today but with who you were yesterday and are you a better person today than you were yesterday and I think through our our combined mentorship of each other we can grow and gain experiences and gain knowledge and be on that ever progressing uh path towards our enlightenment and our wisdom I think I think actually that that's something that Facebook should start doing. It should actually say, "Do you know, eight years ago you were a bit of a twat." You're a light bloody plonker. <laughs> I, I would love. I mean, I suppose I can, I can do it myself. But like, like, why not in five years' time? I look. I get reminded of of a period of time when Brexit was happening. It's like, do you know, what, John, you were getting like a little bit caught up in that, mate. Do you know what I mean? It's flippy, clippy. Flippy, clippy. Yeah, yeah. Clippy for Facebook. Looks like that post was a bit of a twat thing to say. Yeah, yeah. But wouldn't, if if Facebook helped enlighten us and have better self-awareness instead of making us neurotic by comparing us to others and status, literally status anxiety, it, it it would be... Because I'd love, I'd love that that kind of like. If, I don't know. Have you ever gone back to like a teenage diary? If you ever wrote teenage diary or a song or, or something, like that, you look at it and you go, "What the fuck was I thinking?" Or I've looked at my, I've looked at my gothic poetry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the angst was pouring out of me. Oh, 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 the cliches that I gave. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> I, I can I can remember somebody saying to me as a teenager, like I was sort of like, yeah, you know, we, and, and and we're 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 like grunge and 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 skating, and and, and this person just came to it. You think you're original, but you're merely a sequel. Ah, uh, I I don't know if you read my post yesterday, but there's 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 one thing that's kind of accidentally tumbled out of my mouth at one particular moment in my life. It's something that I still hold on to is like if there was ever a pearl of wisdom to have found its way accidentally out of my subconscious self and found itself splurged out there into the world, it was this line that came out of how can you talk about settling down when you weren't fizzy to begin with? <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what my friend said. And then I turned around and went, so if there was a God, how would you feel if you said you were a complete twat? (laughs) He hates you. (laughs) And and these two things sort of like came out within sort of a machine gun moment of of clarity. I thought, Hmm. Maybe you know. I'm not going to get to the moment where I do have a headstone, but that's what I should have written on it. <laughs> Here lies Kevin. He was fizzy. Yes, he was a bit fizzy from time to time. Went a bit flat from a few periods of depression. <laughs> but I, I was trying to explain it. Of people like Russell yeah. Brand and people like Eddie Izzard are very fizzy. 
people yeah. like Mitch McConnell and Gordon Brown are bloody flat. And, yeah. and so I want to be around the fizzy people and I want to, um, you know, my life to be full of fizz. Okay, but it can't always be fizzy because otherwise, yeah, it's got some circumambulation, hasn't there? And so I, oh. it, it, it's the same as uh, um, I, I, sometimes I like, talk to students about this when they sort of say, I, "I'm not happy all of the time." I'm like, "You're not designed to be happy all the time." Actually, happiness can you can only experience happiness if you have the other side of the coin, and and, and it, you've got to think of it like it's like a cookie. You know, you get you eat a cookie and you go, mmm, nice cookie, but you, you can't eat cookies all the time. Well, here is something you've just reminded me from my little notebook. <laughs> now, now, Harari, he makes a really good observation about eating ice cream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you remember this one? <laughs> Vaguely, maybe? I think I'm, 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 I'm about to confuse it with another ice cream story from my professor at uni. So tell me this, and I want to make, see if it's the same thing that I'm thinking. Okay, then. Well, eating ice cream is enjoyable, right? And finding true love is even more enjoyable. So, ergo, if I eat enough ice cream, can I accumulate pleasure that's equal? Is it possible? Yeah, I think about this as in I found, you know, um, a, a rejection mm. yeah, it killed something in me. I was dead <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't replace love. Yeah, I was empty and mm. searching. Yeah, now some people, you know, are rejected and you know some people will jump off a cliff some people will go in search of new love some people will be lost as i was walking around not quite knowing what i wanted but knowing i didn't want to sit there feeling sorry for myself because that was going to be a slow death i would rather kind of Go on, go on another hero's journey to try and find something to fill myself with meaning when mm. I felt lost. Mm. And I found skydiving and that gave me meaning. Okay. Mm. And I found that jumping out of an aeroplane gave me something that equated to the same feeling I had when I was in total love and having the best sex of my life. <laughs> Sorry, Mum, yeah. if you're listening, don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> but, but, um, I found something in skydiving that was an alternative to needing a partner. It yeah. was so pure and so beautiful that it actually put looking for love on the shelf. I didn't need it, and I didn't have to be bloody nice and smarmy to skydiving mm. i i could get it when i wanted it and i didn't have to be nice to anybody <laughs> brilliant i found it <laughs> I, I can drink myself stupid in the evening and during the day i can jump out of aeroplanes what more does a man want <laughs> okay i i 
you know, oh, I didn't find love, not on this iteration of my life, but maybe next time. <laughs> that's, well, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a good place for us to kind of wrap up because it's interesting <laughs> that, that you you were, there's a point in your life where you were literally throwing your you're throwing yourself into a kind of potential life or death but wanting to to, to kind of live there's a, there's something about that that kind of danger element and so forth it's and a time now, to say tune in yes. next week for a continuation on this line of inquiry <laughs> exactly and, and and then but now you're, you're at this stage where you're also looking at like well how do i hack this to sort of stay longer and I think yeah. like that, that's like like the the biohacking is, is is that's the parachute to the experience of jumping out, and that's where we should take off that's next where we should end. And I could also add that someone told me once there may not be love, but there will be chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Good stuff. See you next time. <laughs> See you next time, John. Bedside. Bedside.